Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here to continue our set of season-ending reviews by position group. And we've got the last one still to do tonight, the quarterback position, of course. And here to do that with me is my good friend Jordan Coe. Jordan, how are you doing? Good, Ken. Nice to, nice to be chatting with you. Oh, always a pleasure. Uh, we wish we didn't have it happening this early. We wish we were talking about the offense and offensive line and whatnot from the Super Bowl tonight or maybe the defense even still because hey we'd be coming back from the Super Bowl and you and I would you know be getting over a craps roll in one way or another positive good or bad but uh but anyway that such was not the case this year and we're here wrapping it up for the for the for the Ravens uh, positional reviews this year and then we get into the true offseason content uh starting with the very next show but we're here to talk about Lamar Jackson and his season I age 26 uh, his sixth season uh Came off three straight years where he couldn't stay healthy. I think that's probably the biggest single factor about this year is stayed healthy the whole year, and he played like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's nice to see the adjustments. I, I think that Lamar has made some additional adjustments about trying to keep himself healthy. You can you can see during certain times and certain plays him going down, him getting out of the way, him kind of moving around just a little bit differently. Uh, except when he's kind of you know kind of like the the fumble in the Chiefs game when he's been completely blindsided. He's he really just has been. I think he's taken his ability to not take hits to an incredible level. Um, we saw one of those jump throws that he he had. Oh, I'm trying to remember which game it was where he felt the contact from the defensive player pushing through the tackle. And that's why he jumped on the throw. You know, I think in the past that was one of those ones where he might just make that throw and maybe he gets rolled up on and maybe there's a little bit of concern there. And so it's obvious that, he knows that he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be around at the end of the season. And that if he wants to be in any of these conversations about greats or MVP or whatever that looks like, it's got to include Lamar being ready when playoff time rolls around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the rest of the AFC North all had quarterback injuries, significant quarterback injuries. Watson, of course, lost the, the Bengals down to what they're – Second quarterback, I guess, only with Browning, right? And and the, and the Pittsburgh down to their fourth at at uh, one point with with Mason Rudolph. So a, a difficult season. Other places in the AFC, I'm sorry, the Browns were down to their fourth, right? With Flacco, right? Um, Come back but, player of the year. Yeah, there you go. Um, but but a, uh, a you know a, a great year for Lamar just to just to stay healthy. But I, I kind of want to reflect back on where we were last summer to start this. And just in terms of the contract process, the, you know, this point last year, um, Lamar was about to be franchise tagged. It was an acrimonious time between that flag, that tag being applied and Lamar basically, you know, not being very happy about it and, and, and making some comments in the press 
I thought one of the nice things about it was the Ravens, I thought, it held their end up very well. You know, treated Lamar like family the whole time in terms of it's, it's always the most difficult conversation, but never said anything bad about Lamar. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those ones where Lamar did what he, he had to do uh, and was the smart thing to do. He had to basically spread the word that he was going to try and pressure them to get the biggest contract that he needed to do uh, without an agent. The best way to do that was the media. I don't think that there was any real chance that Lamar was going anywhere. Um, I think the Ravens had a good sense of what the market already was and who had a willingness and a tolerance to sign him to some kind of outlandish contract. I think that, for example, if someone like Arthur Blank and the Falcons were ready to really roll it out and and devastate their cap in some kind of poison pill type contract, I think they would have told the Ravens that beforehand, negotiated some kind of trade to to benefit them beforehand and at least let them have some sense of what the market would set. Right. Like you, the Ravens have all the power there to negotiate or at least have some sense of where everybody on the market is in advance of that, unless they were playing some kind of some kind of game about that. Um, and so I think that I think that the plan everybody always knew between the Ravens front office and Lamar that he was staying. Yes. Yes. And and you remember if anyone had signed him, it would have been two first round draft picks would have to be given up. So it's the, the amount of that that amount of draft capital is just absurdly high. I mean it is obviously something that Browns did in order to trade for Deshaun Watson, which is which is crazy in his own right and then to give him a contract of that size it's um it's very unusual but uh, the, the the fact that the ravens basically you know told the other teams to put up or shut up and then the other teams were basically we're not setting the market for him i mean you know it's it's a in, in some ways it's a it's a smart thing for the other teams to say that because it, it it kind of frames the ravens as villains in the process um you know it's what you know is you know Maybe this is collusion. Maybe it's not. But we're not. We're not putting up with this crap. And it may even help them, you know, keep their own quarterback at some point in the future. Of course, if you're on the outside of the glass looking in without a without one of the top, you know, ten quarterbacks in the game or something, your Super Bowl chances are very minimal. And I think you probably probably are looking at that differently. Well, and it's it's so fascinating. I, I think this all played out in the way it played out because Lamar represents himself. Um, he did a fantastic job when it's all added up at the end of it. He mm-hmm. t- did get the same kind of deal that any agent would have gotten him without having to pay the VIG on whatever that was going to cost him. But I do think that some of the acrimony that has been created by the media around this was driven by the fact that he was representing himself and was driven by kind of these owners, agent kind of buddy buddy system that already exists in place where players are convinced that having an agent is going to be to their advantage to everybody's advantage and there are win-wins when certain players sign certain contracts of certain magnitudes um early or late or whatever that looks like in the process but i don't know just to me given the fact that it turned out so well for lamar getting exactly what he wanted for it it tells me that that like you were saying, teams have – there are other things at play in some of these decisions about how they want to play out and how they want some of these things to look in certain ways down the road. Let, let me be clear about this. I don't think there was actual collusion involved. I think that basically any other owner she's looking at this is I'm going to set the market and I'm going to give up two first-round draft picks. So when I do have to sign a quarterback, it's going to cost me that much more. There's no reason for me to do this. I, I, you know, First of all, the two, the two first-round draft picks is a prohibitive 
incremental expense to the contract itself. Absolutely prohibitive. And the only way you could justify it is basically, you know, like knowing Secretariat was going to win the Triple Crown, you have to know Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, which he actually did. You know, so was he worth eighty million this year? Sure. You know, he 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 was he did have that sort of value, but um, I, there's just no way that that you know, if I were a general manager, that I that I'd be sacrificing two number one picks to also sign an enormous contract for any player. And that's why basically there's no one who's broken free of the um, of the uh, franchise tag as it's uh, been done. And don't you know? Don't misinterpret my statement as perceived intentional collusion because I don't uh-huh. think that's what this was. I just think that there were the reasons why each team did it individually and chose not to pursue Lamar included other reasons that would benefit them in the future as it related to player negotiations. Um, And so they didn't collectively, they all wanted the same thing. I don't think there were any calls between anybody where they were proactively saying, Hey, let's do this together. But I think they all came to the same conclusion. And so they all did the same thing. That's not, the same as collusion. Okay, let me let me let me let me frame that up for you differently, and I'll ask it as a question. Okay, and I, I want other people out there listen to this question and try and help you. So, so Jordan is saying there's some percentage of it in terms of what teams thought they could get out of this negotiating process in the future um, for when they had their own quarterback, when they needed to get their own quarterback, add anything to that you would. Is that pretty yes, well exactly. encapsulated? You, okay, and then the others, all of that, yeah. Okay. And negotiate with agents. Good point. Okay. So all of that is in, is in column A. Column B is two first round draft picks. I want you to give me the percentage of value that goes into each of column A and column B. Oh, it's heavily weighted, probably 85, 15. You know, I'd have to give that some, I think that you have to give that some serious thought about how close you are. And do you think, you, you are as a team and where your first round draft pick was in the upcoming year that yep. you would be giving up. Because if you were a team that was giving up the 20th pick and then you thought that you were ready to be Super Bowl contenders with Lamar, that's significantly less than, say, the Falcons, who I think had a much lower pick mm-hmm. or Carolina. I mean, and, and look, two first round draft picks is a lot of draft capital, but we watched the Carolina Panthers do it for somebody that had absolutely no track record in the NFL at all whatsoever. And you can talk about cap implications all you want, but teams on the average are wasting the top quarterbacks in the league's cap space on dead cap space on non-quarterback players regularly or players that are getting hurt or aren't contributing. So at some point, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear a percentage here. I didn't hear a percentage. So how much I is said 85, 15, 85-15, if you have our early round draft pick, I would say that slides way down to like 60-40 if you are 20th or later in the first pick that you're giving up. Okay, so yeah, I, I, first of all, it's the trailing pick, which often matters. So you didn't have Lamar Jackson in the year, and you're getting Lamar Jackson now. Now, maybe he's replacing another quarterback. Maybe he still had a decent season, maybe even squeaked into the playoffs, and you still have pick number, what, 19 or 20 or something you know, you're, 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 you're dealing with, but probably you, you have a, you have a pick in the top 17 or something. All right. And then your next pick, if, if Jackson gets you to the playoffs, doesn't get hurt himself, you're, you're, you're giving up a low pick, but you know, if we're talking total, total value there, that's pretty damn substantial still 85, 15. I liked your number there. I thought that was about right 
in terms of the things. I think there, there may also be some value, but this is nothing like we, we lived through collusion in the mid 1980s in baseball where the owners literally got together and they said, here's what we're going to play for a catcher who has approximately this, try and build a framework for this. And let's, let's agree that this is what, you know, Lance Parrish's market value is. And we'll, you know, go back to him with this. You go back to him with this offer and see if he takes it. It's not that at all. I mean, the, the cap is entirely spent. So it's just a zero sum game of who gets that money. And and I think that that the that the draft capital is a thing that's not spent, and it's it's clearly the 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 bulk of what's going on there now. But there are some there are some teams probably who didn't want to be put in the position of of you know giving the Ravens an easy out on Jackson, and also kind of maybe wanted to make the Ravens seem like a villain by by having that be a protracted exercise. The Ravens are maybe that less much less of an attractive landing spot for some other players. And, you know, if you're an AFC well, competitor, maybe that has value. Well, look at a team like the Falcons, where who are picking eighth in this upcoming draft. They were seven and 10 last year. If Lamar Jackson, B. John Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts are running together on that Atlanta offense, and the defense was much better than they expected it to be, uh-huh. that's a team that I think is probably wins 12 games in okay, a pretty but- mediocre division. B. John Robinson is, is, is out because they just picked him with the seventh pick. So you don't get you don't have him well, anymore. You trade for Lamar Jackson. You don't. You you wouldn't the wouldn't wouldn't the trade have happened after the NFL? Wasn't Lamar tagged? He didn't sign until after the NFL draft. No, that's when he that signed. Could have but happened. he got tagged earlier. So if you're going to, but he could have him, been traded. So they could have negotiated the trade post draft. Potentially, that is possible. Well, you're still uh, under the tag at that point. Yeah, there there might be some limitation when you can trade the player. I know there is a play, time when you when you the last date when you can sign him long term. I'm not sure what the what the rules are in terms of tagging. Anyway, let's get back to Lamar Jackson's season here. Um, it, we, we we can probably see reasons why this would exist, but there are, are uh, a, a great process for the Ravens to get through. At the end of it, they were really like family making up. In terms of this, we never heard really the topic come up again during the season at any point. I, I Do you get the sense at all that Lamar Jackson bears the Ravens any ill will over the process? No, not at all. And Lamar has basically all but come out and said that his intention was to sign and stay with Baltimore yeah. and that he was aware of what was going on in the process. And it's just it's just part of the gamemanship. And you let that be what it's going to be. All right. All right. So anyway, for me, that's one of the successes of the 2023 Ravens season is they got the Lamar Jackson situation resolved without actual bloodshed. You know, that, they, there was a little bit of cap shed with the uh, with the Odell Beckham contract, but not, no, no real bloodshed. Now, let's fold in Todd Monken, who was you know the biggest change for Jackson this year. Jackson has his own agenda of things he's working on. He wants to do better. But. Um, Roman had built an offense around him and there was a real question as to whether Monken would be able to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I mean, we've seen Munkin at both the college level and the pro level. And so there were some questions in terms of what he was going to be able to do, what he was going to be able to potentially bring in. And I think that you saw a really good balance from Todd Munkin. I do, you know, going back and looking at the numbers for the year, it's stunning how much the Ravens, you know, everybody, including me, uh, (laughs) I'll say that I'm in this group of people that wants to see the Ravens throw the ball a little bit more the Ravens were still incredibly run heavy under yes. Todd Munkin. And so whether that was game situation due to the defense being very good this year and being having a lead, or whether that was just construction of the team, the assets and strengths of the team when Munkin came in, he seemed to be able to at least be able to blend in and tie into some of those things. So, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see what part Munkin has to play in how they build the offense for next year and how they stack on top of that. I think if you see consecutive years of kind of the growth with the offense or the growth with Lamar that we saw last year, Muggins going to get a lot of that credit, and it'll be very interesting to see his potential candidacy for a head coaching job or just kind of like how he's regarded in the league as a result of that. Right. I I, I do think a lot of what the Ravens did this year was situational football that that allowed them to run the ball like crazy. And what is one of the really good things is Monken was able to fold elements that already existed in the Ravens culture, their offensive culture, uh, keep them and still make use of a player like Patrick Ricard and still run the ball very effectively right down the throats of opponents that knew it was coming. And there is just nothing they could do about it, which by the way, is some of the most fun football for me to watch is just watching a team just, just, get dog tired out on the field trying to defend the Ravens run game. Just one of the most fun things. All right. Um, You know, one of the things that I think was really good about Munkin and also good about Lamar was the change in the offense. Really Munkin came in with lofty claims right away about, about making the opponent defend every blade of grass and your, your offense is balanced if the defense is constantly having to do that. This is one of the things that really showed up, and I think there's some statistical measures you can look at to to really just see how well it worked out, that the Ravens, um, you really did use the entire width of the field. I mean, we talked about in previous years, Lamar having a lot of trouble throwing outside the numbers in particular. Yeah, well, I I think, and I, you know what, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think that the Ravens were like on average significantly wider in terms Mm -hmm. of what their formations look like. I think the wide receiver personnel contributed to that, but I do think the Munkin making that a priority with Lamar um, and making him capable of being able to ID those throws to the outside. Cause I think that the problem with Lamar has never been maybe a little bit of arm strength when you've got those deep outs um, that, you know, the ones that you would see Joe Flacco fire like 18, 15 to 18 yards down the field where he's throwing it before they break and it's a bullet. Um, but Lamar's got the anticipation and the timing to be able to line some of those up. It was really just the ability to read when guys had a sense of that coming. I don't know whether that was the wide receivers. I mean, Zay Flowers makes a big difference. We saw it in the Texans game um, where he had Stingley on him and he broke on like that deep 15 to 18 yard route um, out. And he just beat his man much better than you've seen white Ravens wide receivers do with Lamar. Um, so the ability to fold kind of some of those threats in be wider with some of that, I think is really going to be where the Ravens continue to build. And then especially with Likely's emergence, you know, how are the Ravens going to use that? Are they going to stay wide? Are they going to stay tight? If they're going to be more of a 12 team, we'll probably talk about some of that in the future, but 
I'd like to see them continue to stay wide in those formations. And I think Andrews coming back is going to be a really interesting part of how this offense continues to evolve in 2025, 2024. Well, they, they certainly could use some YY formations to do that two by two, you know, mm-hmm. kind of formations. But the, the thing that I think is most impressive about the throwing outside is how much better it made Lamar throwing between the numbers. And specifically, it's the tight end numbers are just ridiculous this year. The passer rating um, throw into each of the three was at least, I think, 135, 136, something like that. And with likely it was 152. With Kolar, it might have been 144. And I, I forget whether Andrews was 138 or something, but it was the highest number of his career as well. Even though, you know, he's had a great career to date, he had been showing declining um passer rating against until 22 and you know when you when you're you have a, a constant you know function of that uh sorry a constant uh, trend of that um you know you, you have to break it somehow and i think monken came in and, and that's the nicest thing i can possibly say about his you know the amount of wide receiver targets there were this year is i think it made, made the tight end targets were were a lot less there are only 110 total targets of the tight end this year not a whole lot of Andrews and likely playing together, but those 110 targets were pure gold. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, 140 or so passer rating. Uh, it, that was a, a pretty sweet improvement. Yeah, and I think the other you know big area that you know you point to in terms of improvement and doesn't feel as good because it didn't work in the Kansas City game, but the checks and Lamar's ability to have more control at the line of scrimmage and be more empowered, whether it was on in the play calls themselves before they got to that point, or whether it was once he was at the line of scrimmage, I think that a lot of look, you know, you saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Can uh, San Francisco decided that they weren't going to do what Baltimore did. And even when you saw heavy boxes from the chiefs, they were still going to try and run at it. And they had less than four yards per carry in the super bowl. Um, and I think that the game plan going into that game was if we see these heavy fronts, we've got to be throwing the ball. I'd like to see more diversity in how they adjust some of those checks, getting them to the line faster and spreading teams out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think could really enhance the Mars capability there, but those that was not a system that existed before 2023 season like Lamar was not having that kind of check the the Ravens would have looked a lot more like Kansas City did in that game or I'm sorry the Niners did in that game where they were running into heavy fronts and who knows whether or not they were going to have success with that or not but I think the Ravens would have continued to run into those heavy fronts historically before this and that's one of the biggest sea changes that we saw under Munkin right uh greatly reduced interception rate for Lamar. And, and one thing that that's fantastic, by the way, and a lot of that is just not having a forced extended play target, not having an automatic guy he has to go to in Andrews. You know, I'm I, the Andrews injury obviously was not an ideal situation for the Ravens, but I don't think it cost them anything in the end. I think they actually probably gained from it in terms of what they know about the talent they have now on the roster. Um, you know, they certainly won all those games and 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 secured the number one seed without Andrews. And then they and then you know beating the hell out of him. And then Andrews came back, of course. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They lost the FC Championship game, um, not because of him. He only played 18 snaps, but but the but you know it was it was what it was. Um, but I thought the, the Ravens learned a lot. They obviously you know figured out who Isaiah likely was, and now they they're not going to be forgetting that going into next year. And I think they probably have an idea, you know, better idea of what they want to do at wide receiver based on who likely and Andrews are going into 24. Well, I think, you know, I think you and I have talked about this on other podcasts of the concept of kind of like failing forward and like forcing players up into situations where you have to find out how they're going to be and they're either going to rise or they aren't. And so even if likely had had not turned out to be the player that we hoped he would become and that we saw during that stretch of time, then you know that too, right? Um, And you you can make those adjustments and make those decisions moving forward. But the Ravens have a dynamic set of two tight ends now, and they know that specifically, like you were saying, because of the Andrews injury. Right, and, and uh, you know, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even downplay the role that Kolar has. Though Kolar is kind of running out of time to to be a more valuable player, but you know, had fairly solid results as a receiver, just not enough total time on for pass plays, and not enough being in the pass pattern himself. To, to be that significant, but honestly, um, you know, very effective on a per target basis when the ball was thrown his way. Uh, what else we want to talk about here? You know, one of the big things that no one really wants to talk about is that Lamar's a little slower than he used to be. Um, he, he bulked up for 22, I believe it was coming back from his 21 injury. And he was somewhat slower then. You know, in the 19 and 20, Lamar, we saw 19 to the outside, 20 with the up the middle threat that he was in, out of sidecar. Um, I just, I don't think the Ravens, you know, think of think of that have, as having the kind of breakaway capacity that it, that it once did. I think it's a choice by Lamar. I, I like, and I, I, you know, Gabe and I have had this argument a couple of different times. Um, I'm trying to remember in the Chiefs game. I mean, on the pass that he tipped to himself, he was almost gone. He was yeah. he was a shoestring tackle away from a touchdown. And then on the other play where he broke out to the right, he was in the upper third, you know, of the Chiefs defense and chose to try and break back inside the safety instead of beating him to the corner and just turning on the Jets and going at full speed. I think Lamar runs pretty much between 70 and 85% all the time now. Um, and that he wants to stay in control. He wants to be able to make decisions about which directions he's going, what's safest for him in that process. What you saw in 19 and 20 was Lamar running as fast as he could, didn't matter why, didn't matter where, didn't matter where he was going to, and he was going to run as hard as he could and as fast as he could, and he's just not doing that anymore. Okay, first of all, completely agree with your first part, which is that he's basically doesn't take it out of third gear very often. 
And, and he's always looking to make the next man miss as his priority, as opposed to outracing the next man, which sometimes that's the right call, you know, in, in what's going on here, but very rarely puts it in fourth gear. We saw it on a few touchdown runs this year, but there were, there were shorter ones and not the fifties we saw against the NFC East or, you know, against the dolphins. I think he had a 75 or whatever. Maybe it was the giants. He has 75, but anyway, the, the, uh, the big runs otherwise that he's had, um, the, the, the part I, I wouldn't agree with is that I think Lamar really did show you more in the previous years in terms of turning up the heat all the way. And, and just the spin move, obviously they put on, um, on the Bengals linebacker, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, you know, the guy who had the most tackles ever of Lamar, but still be remembered by his grandchildren for, for getting spun away from on the Houdini play. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, I, I just, I, I think we do not, I, I think we, um, Lamar's always kind of been a third gear runner. There's always been occasional, to, only been occasional times ever where he's really pulled fourth fourth gear out of there, and that it really included in in 2019. Even on those runs to the edge, he's he's most of that time he's he's worried about how am I going to make the first guy miss and then get a lot of yards to the edge. Yeah, I, well, and also, I, I mean, it's also just opportunity too, though, right? Because if you're running. 12 to 14 design quarterback runs a game yeah. in addition to another 12 to 14 read option plays Lamar gets 28 chances to pick his spot to take it all the way up to the anticipation that he wants to whereas if your preparation in the in the lead up to the game is where are we going to throw the ball what are our checks what are we doing for this as opposed to what are the run blocking schemes what are the run blocking tendencies and where do we think a crease will open up if x y and z happens and now you run as fast as you can through that hole because you know that you're probably going to be able to score a touchdown on that i just i I don't i I, look nobody is going to be as fast as they are at 26 as they are at 23, they're going to lose a little, and he's not going to be as fast at 29 as he is at 26. So those are just realities of the truth. So I'm, I'm not kind of arguing with the physics of that. Um, but I think that Lamar has more in him than we see. And the, the design of the offense just isn't built around that. I'm very curious. I mean, if Ricard stays on this roster and the Ravens want to go into a 12 or 22 heavy look and they want to use Ricard like Nick Boyle in 2019, which I think he could play that kind of role really effectively. I don't think the Ravens are going to go back to a run heavy team, but the formula is there. I mean, for them to get really heavy (laughs) and really decide that they want to run the ball next year, who knows? Major difference from the 2019 offense is the RPOs because the Ravens only went into the mesh and threw the ball. How many times in 2019? I know the actual number. How many times do you think it was? Oh, I, I, it wasn't many. It, it wasn't. It wasn't their approach. Three, twice against Miami in Week One, and it's once in Week Four or Week Five. I forget whether it's the Cleveland game or the Pittsburgh game. That's funny. But they had their third of the whole year, and they they totally pitched that away. And you know, I had a friend of mine was working on a project with me to look at um, various types of play action they used, which will include mesh point play action, but also other forward facing fakes and turning your back play action. So those are the three categories we're trying to, to try to divide on. And there were a whole bunch of these little hand checky fakes, but they did basically the RPO wasn't part of the offense. They, they basically were a mesh point team to this uh, for, for designed runs. Um, and they didn't. They did not throw the ball out of that. They didn't pull the ball out of that and throw. It. Now they do that a lot, and you know that's that's really the the a, a primary source of runs for Lamar. Oftentimes they end up being scrambles, 
because he pulls it down to pass and then he ends up scrambling. Um, but uh, it's it's a it's it's a very different offense. And you know what? One of the things about the Monken offense, because it's more pass heavy and because they do more what is, they get behind the sticks more, and it's more of a sputtering, explosive and sputtering offense. When when the cylinders are hitting right, they they get some big chunks of yardage. They move right down the field and they score. Um, it's it's it hasn't been as efficient as the 2019 offense. The 2019 offense was miles in front of the even the 23 offense where Lamar's very good um, in terms of its effectiveness, uh, it, it, putting together long drives and the debilitating impact that had on their opponents. But uh, they, they had 3.08 yards per drive, and this year they're at 2.48. Good total, fifth in the NFL, nothing wrong with it. Basically met every standard that I would reasonably set for Lamar in terms of of getting to a, to a high level. But they weren't the most elite offense in the league, despite the fact they beat the crap out of some really good teams. Yeah, I think some of that also ended up being injuries of running back, too, and the way things were designed and then the quality, you know, and and Justice Hill played great. Uh, Justice, just, uh, Gus Edwards played well um, for kind of what you might have expected from him coming back from. Um, but if Keaton Mitchell and J.K. Dobbins were fully healthy, I think it's a totally different dynamic that you get from some of that. And yeah. A lot of that kind of when we talk about the differences between what we think happened in 23 versus 24 is how much that is going to be baked in. I think there's going to be potentially, depending on what the Ravens do at running back in free agency, a lot less running baked into this offense on the front end, in theory, as as we kind of look at it right now. Um, but that could evolve easily and keep Mitchell if he comes back in the second half of the year. Um, I, I mean, he was a game breaker. And, and the Ravens, you could tell, you could tell that what Lamar does for spacing in the field for a guy that has the elite quickness that Keaton Mitchell has, what that does for them and what it did for JK Dobbins in his rookie and second year before we started to see the injuries crop up for him. Um, so it's very interesting. You know, Lamar still has, it still brings that dynamic component threat in terms of what some of that's going to do. And that'll take your, some of your potentially, hopefully first and tens, you know, second and longs, um, you know, into get them into second and mediums. And and maybe that changes the dynamic of some of what this looks like to it. It felt like the Ravens were in second and long much more than I would have preferred often this yeah. year. Yeah. There, there was, they, they basically barfed up a lot of variances to the defense. That's exactly what the defense, any defense <laughs> wants you to do is, is give them variance and they did it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that was a problem. The, the, the running back injuries were, you know, it should have been that the tight end helped them more. And so I, I kind of feel like a hypocrite in this way, but we've just had this great season with 110 targets for tight ends at, you know, 140 quarterback rating or whatever it was in total. Uh, but all three, you know, obviously just killing it. And, and I know I've been saying for years that there's decreasing marginal value to each incremental target for Mark Andrews. And, by the way, the number is 195 last year. Now they're playing one of the heaviest offenses around, but to drop from 195 to 110, my immediate reaction is, boy, why didn't we have more tight end targets? <laughs> and, uh, but the truth of the matter is, honestly, each one is probably going to give you a little bit less. The problem is when you're at 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, 9.5 yards per target, you can accept them to be a little bit less effective on, <laughs> say, 30 more targets. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it'll be... 
there's a lot of intrigue, I think, about kind of how things played out in 23 and how the Ravens will adjust to those things in 24. Um, It's something that honestly, you know, for as disappointed as we are where we are right now and hearing everybody essentially chatter about how good and dominant this Ravens team was. I think it's an exciting thing to look towards for next year about kind of what decisions do they decide to go on the offense? How do they steer all of this collectively together and how do they do that through the mark? Because, whether you know whether the Ravens assumed that Lamar was going to be there or not, you have to believe that there were still safety valves in the process of decisions that were made until he was signed that were just in case Lamar isn't here, we have to do these kind of like X and Y and Z potential yeah. things. And that could be any range of things that held back the offense a little bit, one, two, three percent. But those could be things at the end of the day that take the Ravens from being fifth in kind of average length of drive to first next year. Okay. So, so compromises made to the fact that Lamar was on the tag. My question for you, naturally, you know what it is, is why won't those same problems still exist this year with Justin Matabike on the tag? Oh, if he's on the tag and they don't get him signed, they potentially very well could. It, but it, but it's it's going to be it has more of a pervasive effect than that. They'll, they'll, they're going to he probably won't they'll probably wriggle to try and get off the tag and and want to go out and sign a long term deal right away. So they'll have to put him on the tag, and then there'll be a period of time where the Ravens don't know, and it basically means the early part of free agency the Ravens will lose out on because he'll be tagged and they won't have cap space to make moves. So this, the distinction here is that if they decide they want to tag Meta PK and keep him on board, there's no – it'll probably be an exclusive tag. So there's no existential threat of him being signed, and there's no adjustment needed around what you might want to do on defense with the threat of somebody signing Meta PK for two firsts, right? Like if, if, that's, if that's the world that the Ravens are living in, you're happy, right? And, and you're going to take that value because you don't think we can even get a first for him if you trade him. I mean, I, it'll be a non-exclusive tag, first of all. Nobody signed to the exclusive tag, so it'll be definitely be non-exclusive. Oh, not exclusive, but two, two first being the yeah. deal for Justin Matabike is untenable. Two first right. for Lamar That's Jackson right. being signed is is tenable. Like, like is, is, somebody un- might do that. You're right. Yeah, right. That and so that's the difference. So then you have to have an emergency valve around that piece. Whereas if you if look, Justin Matabike leaves and the Ravens get two first, uh, the Ravens will be the happiest team in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. They won't be upset by that at all. The, he won't leave for that. The, the problem is that they'll be in this death throes of having to either sign him or trade him long term from the time they put the tag on him until the time they get either accomplished. It's like a, it's an enormous pig that has to move through the snake before you can make other moves in terms of of, of what you can do during the offseason. So um, I, I don't know if Matabike will really use that against the Ravens, but I think it, it's, it would be natural for his agent to try and lever some additional dollars out of them to to, to get the you know to get the contract done or terms you know we, we, whichever it might be. So I it it just it, it makes sense to me. I, I I'm probably in the camp that the Ravens are better off with a tag and trade situation depending on the value they can get. But I'd like to hear your opinion on that is what, what's the minimum value you need to get from Matabike to make that a worthwhile deal? Yeah, I think we briefly talked about this the last time we chatted and you definitely seemed as though you were a bit more tag and trade leaning. Um, I, I don't think that, I, I think he needs to stay. I, it would have to be a first round pick type value coming back for me to see Matabike leave. 
But I think when I th- the reason I think that is that one, I don't think that there are that many holes on the Ravens roster that need to be filled behind Matabike. So like that's a, also why it's not I, I, the Ravens didn't have a lot of holes last year either. Um, but there's not all of these kind of like gaping necessities that need to be filled. So even if you do have to kind of move a few things around, if you are willing to, if the concession is Ronnie Stanley is staying right in the first place, and we're going to let him play left tackle next year, no matter what. And so then you get everything else kind of worked out around that. Obviously at edge, you want to see some improvement or some depth that's brought on. You've got to figure out what you're doing at wide receiver, but you're set at tight end. You're mostly set, you know, you have to decide what you want to do with Zeitler or not, but you're mostly set on the offensive line, set it inside linebacker. You've got to bring in a safety, but you don't, you only need a free safety. That's really slightly above league average. I'd say a guy that can defend half the field and play true free safety. Fifth, sixth round pick, easy. Right. Maybe cornerback depth and that's it. So like, like the Ravens, now, obviously, if they can make a splash and it's in an impact place in an impact way, particularly there's a way to do that on the offensive line. I think the Ravens shouldn't hesitate to do that. Um, but beyond that, I think there's just not there's not that many. That's why the Ravens are being looked at as a, a seriously competitive team next year, despite having so many free agents. I think that they figure out how to get one of Van Noy or Clowney back. I think that depth and an improved number of snaps for OA is going to be just fine in terms of what this defense does. I think there are enough people still in the room that it's the same approach that they're going to take under McDonald. I think or I really like Zachary Orr as as the choice for defensive coordinator. I think that he fits the person of Roquan Smith, and that's going to elevate this defense as well. So as a result, I think that to tie this all back, I think that Matt BK just kind of stays because there isn't anywhere else to use the cap money. There's not another defensive tackle. Like, I guess if you were trading Matt BK, getting a second and then signing Chris Jones because the Chiefs decided to let him go, I would be down for that. I, I think I think it's more like you you have some opportunity to sign some other players. Like, let's say you could, you could sign Clowney and Zeitler let Matabike go and pick up a second round pick, high second. I mean, I'd I, I think I'm Matabike. okay. I mean, that's I think that's a fair judgment. I think I'd go the other direction on that, but uh, but I you know, admittedly, it, 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 it's worth discussion at that point. And I, well, um, and I also think and to tie this back to Lamar, I think the bottom line of that is that there is more juice to squeeze out of this offense than we saw this this past year. I think okay. that so like if if you look at the argument around MVP. And why Lamar wasn't unanimous MVP. And I don't think he should have been. I think more people should have probably voted against Lamar being first for MVP in the first place. So um, I think there was a more than reasonable case for that. But I think the part of the reason that Lamar was held back from that was similar to 2019. The Ravens played a lot with a lot of leads. What they did and how they dictated those games during those times didn't require Lamar to rise up. Once Andrews went out, you saw the, you know, in like the Rams game, for example, or some other games where the defense didn't play as well. When Lamar was asked to, the last quarter of the year, he was phenomenal in terms of throwing the ball, in terms of touchdown rates. If he's asked to do that all year long, I absolutely think he can do that all year long. And I think they will do that all year long. Um, and so as a result of that, you get a little bit of wiggle room in that regard of being able to know that your offense is going to do well. I want a guy like – we saw the, the impact that Matabike had on the Chiefs game. I want a guy that's going to have that impact in big games, in those moments, and influence games in that way. We did not we did not see that from Jadavian Clowney. I mean, I think we saw him have better years than other times, but I think he's a guy that at this stage of his career can be a bit more neutralized. And that if the choice between Matabike's peak output and Clowney's peak output, I want Matabike's. We're watching different players here. I got to tell you, I think Matt BK is is a cleanup guy and a very elite cleanup guy. Um, not 
uh, as great a first pressure guy. And the, the relationship between his pressures and his sacks would kind of tell you that. And that, you, you know, Clowney and his first pressures and Oway and his first pressures, which totally undervalued here, uh, were what led to a lot of the Ravens sacks. Van Noy, you know, also a good first pressure guy. Pierce, good first pressure guy. Just had the greatest, you know, pursuit slash cleanup guy imaginable in Matabike, benefiting to a, to a large degree from what we saw. And, and that's not to minimize at all who Justin Matabike is. A good year in run defense, good year in, as, a, as a, a, a penetrating uh, pass rusher, uh, you know, a, a guy who really no three tech could, no guard could stand up to directly in terms of blocking, but it's just he's not the same um, uh, first pressure impact player that Clowney is. Clowney is is uh, on a different level, and and I, I just I'm seeing a different guy. That's that's my own vision of that. I think over the I think over the balance of the year, or at least in the first half of the year, I would have agreed with you. But again, in the Chiefs game, I thought Matabike was potentially the best defensive player for the Ravens in that game. I mean, it's what six or seven pressures in that game um, had the half sack was, was, was influencing how the rest of the offensive line played. And I think that would be the only other, and we probably should get back to Lamar Jackson. The other credit that I think that I give Matt BK is like you said, if he's going to require a double team, that's going to make guys like Van Noy and Clowney who are on the backside of their careers be more effective because they know they're going to get those opportunities. They're, they're, you're going to be able to isolate on them less and, and isolate on Matt BK more. All right. Okay, great stuff. We're going to break this into two parts. I'll be back with uh, Jordan in part two. We're going to talk a little bit about more themes from 2023, some extended play, uh, things that happened. Uh, what happened when Lamar was forced not to pass? Because that that happens a fair amount and, and how he was able to make use of, of space and whatnot. And then look forward to 2024, what the Ravens need to do at the position, both in terms of Lamar's growth and in terms of uh, the possibility of getting a different backup quarterback. So we'll cover all that in part two. Jordan, thanks for thanks for coming on. But tell folks where they can find your work online and talk football with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Raven Sit Room. Love to see you there and uh, chat some Ravens football. All right, other folks out there, you probably have heard by now, doing a historical series this offseason on your favorite Raven, who is not one of the all-time greats. So don't need any about the top 20 guys um in in Ravens history. I want to hear if you like Chad Williams or Anthony Levine and in particular if you have a player you really enjoyed prior to 2000. I really want to get you older fans involved in this and engaged because um those guys are forgotten in a lot of ways and sometimes this particular instance and the stories around what you know what they did in those early Ravens years uh, won't be retold to younger fans. So it's a, it's, it's your opportunity to, to jump on and, and uh, enjoy that Ravens history, a little, little stroll down memory lane, but really would appreciate it. DMs always open on Twitter. Uh, reserve your player as quickly as you can. We've got some good ones chosen. Ovi Mahaley, Paul Kruger, and everybody seemed to want to do Jarrett Johnson as their favorite non-star player. Okay. So Jarrett Johnson is taken folks. <laughs> I, I've literally like three different people. It was their first choice. So anyway, uh, love to hear from you on that. Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. I will talk to you on part two. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.